Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Good morning. Hello. Good afternoon. Good Good evening. evening. All right. Good night. Okay. Don't say that. How many times do I have to tell you not to do that? It means bye bye. <sighs> no. Good evening means hello. Good night means bye bye for you. I'm going to sleep. Welcome to our show. Welcome to our friendly world. I promise. It's friendly. <laughs> Nugget of wisdom from Santa Monica. Champagne Sundays. Every Sunday. We would meet on the fifth floor. This was before you moved to the building, Matt. We would meet on the fifth floor at a friend's kitchen table, round, small, with lots of us around. And there would be champagne. There would also be sparkling apple juice for those of us who were sober. And we would sit around every Sunday and talk about and toast all of our accomplishments that week. Why did we do this? I was actually invited into it and I'm so happy I was because it was such a beautiful ritual. But like I said, we were all artists and we all worked in the industry in some capacity. I was a still photographer. We had wardrobe people, Mm -hmm. costume designers, writers of shows, you name it, makeup artists, whatever you do in LA, we were trying to break into. Unless you're in with a certain team, You are hustling all the time and you're worried about paying your rent all the time, Mm -hmm. freaking out constantly. Either you're working or you're not. And when you're not, it's scary and lonely. (laughs) And so, and then, and then you start thinking about your age. God, I'm getting old, right? What, like 28, 29? I know, but back then it felt really <laughs> dire, like, oh, my life is over. How am I ever, am I ever going to find another job again? Is it, am I ever going to make it? Or because you get rejected so much, you just feel down in the dumps. So champagne Sundays. Some days, this was inspired by my friend who hosted this, but... One time she was like, did we do laundry? I did laundry, guys. Yay. Nice. (sighs) That's a recording of me, folks. So we have this, you know how there's that easy button? I don't know if this translates in other countries, but there's a store that sells office supplies and they were saying, oh, it's just easy. Just like press this button. And, and it would it's say, an easy. that was easy. That was easy. So on the same theme <laughs> as the Champagne Sundays, in the midst of a pandemic, and we all work in a very small room together, like us and the kids, and it can get a little overwhelming sometimes. We realized we weren't celebrating. I mean, yeah, sure, once, once a year we have the huga where we just celebrate and bring in all the treats that are bringing us comfort, right? Or we think of things that are joyful and comforting in life. 
And it's so bad to just do it once a year. And that's the thing about rituals. You may go through the ups and downs of life and you kind of just go with emotions and you get robotic, right? So it's important. Rituals are so important for us to remember we need to celebrate everything and be thankful for everything. And so, yeah, doing your laundry actually was a big deal for us in that building because it was a big building, a huge, it took up the footprint of it was a huge city block. And there was one little laundry room for everybody. And so you had to understand the flow of things and know when Herman over here in 203 was going to do his load and when is he going to dry his stuff and is he ever going to come back and take his stuff out of the washer and put it in the dryer so I can use the washer because I don't want to get into his underwear and put the stuff in the dryer for him. Otherwise, I have to sit there for like God knows how long until he comes back because there are just so many washing machines. And sometimes we would get into fights and it was expensive to do laundry like you had to have all your quarters straight you know your money ah man it was it was a lot so anyway laundry was epic (laughs) and so yeah best believe we would celebrate that also so celebrating rituals being a witness for one another to say congratulations i toast you like here toast me i'm gonna toast myself congratulations to your achievements congratulations for the thought that you had congratulations for seeing this congratulations for being brave about doing x y and z today congratulations it doesn't really work with coffee cups i'm sorry i'm sorry it doesn't have that like sparkly cling no, that's still not No, right. we can't. We need champagne glasses. <sighs> champagne flutes, whatever you call them. So, which brings me I would to this. I would to this special moment. I want to introduce you to a new friend and an old friend. New and old at the same time because I believe our friends the ones that are family, you've known each other for eons. You've known each other in and out of time, right? That's what I wrote on our, that it's actually a quote from one of Maya Angelou's poems. Mm -hmm. And I wrote that under our wedding photo that we've known each other in and out of time. We've always been together in different realms and different lives, all that. I would like to introduce you to Beth Hewitt. Beth is here, everybody. Hi, Beth. Hi, Vaughn and Mac. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. And I, I totally agree with you on that friends in and out of time thing. I feel like we've only what have we known each other about nine, eight or nine months now, I think. But I feel like I've known you forever. And I our conversation, like we, remember our first conversation? I'm sorry, I just cut you off. What were you going to say? <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I was going to say, remember our first one-on-one conversation? We got into it like immediately. We started, I think I said, oh my God, I'm having a deja vu. Was that the first, that's the first memory I have of us. We were talking about deja vus and we were analyzing what they truly are. And 
I don't remember exactly what I said, but I got in there and then we started, we didn't really know each other. We had only seen each other on screen. Mm -hmm. And even though we were on screen then, it was with a bunch of people we were on screen, but we got in deep, like crazy for someone who doesn't really follow metaphysics. I mean, that's when you know, right? (laughs) I mean, I think we'd been commenting on in the community together on different posts, but I think I'm going to have to check out that message actually again, what what we actually spoke about. But I do remember the conversation about deja vu. Oh, and my God. We just, we just went straight there. We <laughs> just did. went really deep, really quick. Beth, is it possible to go back and look at that text? What, right now? No, but it, like, <laughs> in, it's a possible thing. Like, we can. Yeah. I still don't understand the internet and all that stuff. Like, I still don't understand it was a Facebook Messenger thing. Yeah, it will be there somewhere in our in our message. We have to look it up because we'll, we we'll just went it for it. And I'm <laughs> I'm not I don't type very fast. I'm like, geesh, can we just talk? Like, is there a way we can? Talk? <laughs> and I think that's when we started just zooming, zoom all the time. Oh my god, we have to look it up, and we'll put it in the show notes. Can we do that? I'll do that. I think so look in the show notes, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the show <laughs> today. It's about just. Thank goodness. Thank goodness we met. Thank goodness for a bar of chocolate. Thank goodness for all the blades of grass. If you ever feel not abundant, I learned this from Esther Hicks, actually. Um, I don't know, Beth, do you ever listen to Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks? Yeah. And so to teach people how to get in the frame of mind of abundance and prosperity. She'll talk about things in nature and she'll say, if you ever feel like you don't have enough, I just want you to look at all the blades of grass out there. Look at that. There's so many of them. If you look at a tree, look at all the needles on it. If you're looking at a pine tree, is it a pine tree? That thing outside? It's a pine okay, tree. Okay, we can call it a pine tree. Like they have needles, those, yes. those long spiky things. <laughs> or if you have the good fortune to be near the ocean, all the grains of sand. My God, right? And if you look at it even closer, under a microscope, how many atoms are in a grain of sand? It's miraculous. So anyway, that's another tidbit for another prosperity session but it's a good way to look at things and you come become more thankful it's hard to say i feel grateful when you're going through the downs of the ups and downs of life when things happen and this is why friendship is so important this is why it's so important to have someone by your side a witness you can be each other's witnesses as you walk shoulder to shoulder down the street down the journey down the path in your lives and sometimes your friend is there with you and then they have to take a detour over here but then you have to go over here but really we're all still together we're all still here all one we are still totally connected beth is over here in the uk we're over here smack dab in the middle of the continent in north america in the mountains somewhere i mean and we have the, this deep connection. The thing about friends and going through ups and downs, when you're going through it, your friend can see the signs way better than you can if you're so emotional and not able to see straight. 
And we've talked about this before. There's the, when it's emotion versus logic, your friend being outside of yourself can look at things more logically, not necessarily completely logically, but certainly more logically than you can. And they have less attachment to the things you're feeling emotional about for sure. Which brings me to Beth today. I mean, she's definitely been doing that for me. And I'd like to think, I hope to God that I do that for her. And that's the thing. You also have to be open to just being, I guess people would call it being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I mean, just honest to say, yo, I'm having a really bad time. I can't see straight. And your friend may think you are seeing straight. So for you to say that, it helps. Like the other night, Holly called me Mm -hmm. and I was stuck to the couch. Like I felt so heavy and why bother kind of state? Like why bother really? Why bother with anything? Who cares? I don't care. I wish I could care. I was so down. Like I could not lift myself off the couch. And then out of the blue, Holly calls. <laughs> and she's but like... it's not really out of the blue, is it? What do you mean? Just, it seems like the old saying, when the student is ready, the master will come. It seems like sometimes in those moments that there are people or whatever that reach out to you because we're all kind of interconnected in a way that science can't quite explain. Yeah, yeah. it's the synchronicities that always there. Totally. And so what I like about friendship and my friendship with like, let's say Beth, especially, and also going back to Holly, Holly's a straight shooter, man. There's no, I mean, (laughs) once in a while she'll be extra, extra soft with me, but she's powerful and she's just like, as a matter of fact. And so if I'm saying blah, 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 and she'll say, well, that's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, damn, girl, nice. damn. And what she means is that's a lie when I say this really is terrible. They hate me. I just suck. You know, why? <laughs> <laughs> and so it reminds me of a phrase that another friend of ours would say, who came from a very spiritual and religious family. She would always say, and we would start laughing every time she said it. The devil's a liar. <laughs> the devil's a liar. The devil is a liar. And what she meant was those <laughs> negative thoughts you have, they are lies. So don't go there. Don't look at that. That's what I mean by your friend can see the signs, right? right. So there's a sign that says, hey, boulders are, are dropping on this road. Watch out. You know what I mean? So when you have that negative thought, don't let the boulder hit you on the head. Move over here. Get over here. Stop it. Break it up. You know? Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. So and that's what that is. And one of the things I want to talk about today is, of course, being thankful. But how do we get over those ups and downs? I mean, the downs, really. And I know both of our families have been through some scary stuff, Beth. Yeah. So can we talk about, without getting into detail, and I don't want to get into a panic attack, when we talk about certain things, I um, it's hard for me to shake it off. But can we talk about that, Beth? How do you do it? How do you get through the downs? Like when some messed up stuff happens. And I'll say one other thing that I remember just popped into my head that Abraham Hicks always says is that when 
bad things happen, the world is filled with contrast. When bad things happen, it is your opportunity to say, I don't choose that. I want this instead. So if someone gives you a chocolate ice cream you and you hate chocolate ice cream, you can say, universe or life, I would like vanilla, please. And you focus on vanilla until you get vanilla or you work on getting vanilla. Anyway, what do you think, you guys? So I think for me, it's building up those muscles. I think I was trying to think about at what point did I become almost this super positive person because I haven't always been a positive person. Like when I first came to this planet, I was quite a miserable child. You know, I was always the the child that was sad and uh, upset and had a scowl on my face. But somewhere along the, the way, I learned to be positive. So I can't, I don't know where those merged, those lines merged, but they did at some point. So I think it's been a bit of a journey for me. But I think we all have the ability to build those muscles up. And it is, like you said, Fawn, it is a choice. It's when something bad happens, it's acknowledging something has happened and feeling all those emotions. You know, what can you see? What can you feel? What can you hear in this moment? What is happening and what is being shared with with you? What lessons are there in all of this? But it's that ability to go, okay, I'm not going to stay here for too long. I'm going to try and find an opportunity out of this challenge and I'm going to try and find a way forward. And it's about taking those reins and getting clear on what you do want to do. Because I think when you know what you don't want, when you know that you don't want horrible things happening to you, you know the flip side of that, which is you know what you do want, you know what that different reality looks like. And that gives you clues to what you might be able to create and gives you something to cling on to. And so, and I won't go into the the, the details of it, uh, but when, when my daughter had, she was in an accident and it was a head injury and she lost lots of teeth and she had to have surgery but she couldn't eat and she couldn't drink and she couldn't uh she couldn't speak how old was she she was 11. she she fell off a horse right she was she she didn't fall off a horse she was a horse uh, she was at the side of a horse and the horse bolted and twisted and knocked her unconscious head on hit the floor oh my god and um yeah and so uh, it happened in a split second nobody could have stopped it it was just it was just one of those things but then I had a child who was in a in a very difficult place and I think it's harder when it's not happening to you and it's happening to a loved one that's even harder isn't it you almost have to transcend that that situation and actually how we're gonna not only am I gonna find the strength to get through this situation but how we're gonna get this person this loved one through this situation or how we're going to get my friend or my, my mum or my dad or whoever it is how we're going to get through the situation together and so um it was hard it was hard but um I tried to look for all the things like you just said for and that I was actually grateful for which you might think how can you possibly be grateful when something such as this happens but it was things I was grateful for the air ambulance. I was grateful for the nurses and the surgeons. I was grateful for the first time that she was able to drink chocolate milk for the first time through a straw and the look on her face and all of those kind of things. I was grateful for how the school was supporting her to to do things differently because, you know, she was in that transition period between primary school going up to high school. And so it's just looking for the, those. There's always people there 
who are willing to help you and support you. And if you can be grateful for those, it, to me, it increases, the, it speeds up the way in which you heal and the way in which my daughter healed or the way in which you personally heal from the situation, from the trauma. Um, and so that's what that's what you have to do. You have to find the, the lightness in the darkness. And some amazing things have come out of that terrible, terrible situation. So my daughter was a violinist. She could no longer play the violin at that time because she could no longer rest the violin under a chin. So she asked if she could play piano. And so now she plays piano and violin. And she actually loves piano more than violin. And she's actually played her violin at the Royal Albert Hall. You know, she, so wow. we were visualizing, yeah, we were visualizing her being able to do that again. But for that time being, for that moment in time, she was playing piano and still enjoying the music and still being able to take part in things, but just in a different way. And I think it's whenever something bad happens to you, you've just got to find that little slither of hope and light of how you can view this in a different way. And there's always something. Wherever there's challenge, there's always opportunity. And you know what I find as far as friendship also is that, so we had a life and death situation in our family and it was very scary and all of our friends disappeared. <laughs> I never heard from them again, except for Matt's best friend who like didn't even ask, just showed up from thousands of miles away, just showed up. I'm so grateful for him. In that time though, when I felt so alone, um, it's really interesting. I was talking to someone actually a few months after this whole ordeal and I was explaining how people disappeared and I had no friends around. And she pointed out that there are friends everywhere. They come in different forms and they are always there for you when you need them. And I thought about it and just the way Beth, you just described being thankful for the air ambulance and the nurses and the surgeons. Yeah. I mean, I remember being at the hospital and going to the bathroom and there was no one in there so I thought great I can just like weep and there was um someone who came in and it was because it was such a strange time of the day and no one was around um it was the janitor who came in and I could just look at him and he was so sweet like all he did was just look at me and I knew like he it was so lovely I'm sorry I'm crying but he turned out to be an angel and he ended up checking on us all the time. Mm -hmm. His name was Abraham too, by the way. Um, but there are people like that. You're surrounded all the time by help. You may yeah. not say to yourself, well, this is my lifelong friend or this is my friend. It's a total stranger, but because we are connected, they are friends, they are family and you're never alone. And so, yeah, yeah to just remember stuff like that, you have you you have to see that that you're not alone and that you are totally protected and that you are totally gifted by i mean sometimes i call them angels you know anyway which yeah. also like talking about the ups and downs i have a quote let me see hold on one second i'm going to pause for a second it says you should know 
that you will have some ups and downs along the way. It wouldn't be life if you didn't. But when quote unquote horrible things happen to us, we have a choice. In fact, in any moment or circumstance, we have the option to view things from a different perspective and we can decide to pick ourselves up and move on. And that when things are going wrong, you will forever have a tool that helps you to take back control. To imagine and describe through your own words the life you'd rather be living. And before you know it, you will. That's actually a quote from Beth's new book that's coming out. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about it? So the book itself was something that I wrote actually a few years ago. It was that period between Christmas and uh, New Year where you don't really know what day it is. But I sat down and write, wrote that book. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was kind of a culmination of, of everything that I've always been doing or the things that I've been doing since I was a, a child, really. Um, and it's just that, it's that quote, Fawn, it's, it's that ability to take back control when things are going, what quote unquote wrong, are going in the wrong direction. And so the book is, it's about the law of attraction, but it's about the written form of the law of attraction. So the ability to journal and write and script a new reality, really, focusing on the things that you want to be showing up in your life and putting real meaning and clarity behind them and giving yourself that time to write in as much detail as possible what that reality would look like and it's a way for people to stop and reflect because i don't think we do that as much as we should we don't give us self we don't give ourselves that space to really think about those things that we we want to be showing up in our life and, and so that's why I, that's why I wrote the book. Remember, I said, oh, my God, let's talk about this. And I think you said something to me like, what did I say about friendship in this book? I'm like, but it is about friendship. That is friendship. This book, this is exactly what friends do for each other. And you are in this book and you're guiding us through this. Like I said, like saying, hey, look over here. OK, now do this. Take this step over here. And your book, when sometimes we don't have that friend constantly with us that we need, your book is there because you are in that book. You're in the book. And you can put that in your pocket or in your purse. And there you go. You're traveling with me. And you're helping me step by step to focus on what my heart desires and focus on creating the life that I want again things I was looking forward to and somehow because of all the ups and downs I'm like why bother or it's never going to happen <laughs> you know and your friend saying of course it's going to happen you know do this do that <laughs> sit down get yourself a book get a writing utensil Man, your friend is just telling you what to do. Well, no, sometimes, you know, you know me. Do this, do that. Well, no, okay, I'm saying it like that. That's not how Beth writes the book. But I'm just saying that because I come from a martial arts, like, love. And I like it when the sensei yells at me. <laughs> Maybe, I will remember this. Not you. <laughs> I'm definitely no, not the sensei. But, like, one of my favorite 
senseis was that way. Remember, we talk about sensei petite petite sensei little little sensei he yes. was very scary folks guys he was so scary <laughs> he, was. he was matt was afraid of him and i'm matt, afraid of a lot of people you were like four feet taller than him <laughs> it doesn't, those eyes man it's the eyes and his knuckles i mean yeah his eyes just, yeah, I'm, i was yeah. looking him in the face the whole time i'm not gonna i'm not gonna look away beth this guy was very intimidating <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Every word was like a punch. Oh my God. So anyway, but he was one of my favorite teachers. <laughs> and best believe I would do whatever he said, even though I didn't think I could physically do it. Mm-hmm. But because of the fear, I did it. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> that, that, trust me, I get it. So that's why I was saying, you know, do this, do that. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes me back to getting into the mode of, okay, I'm going to knock it off and stop being so negative. I'm going to do it. Right. Well, no, no, no. And I, I totally get that. My personal favorite part, because I read the book too, twice, um, <laughs> is the fact that, um, you know, there's a, a, a special place for your victories, honestly, uh, right at the beginning of the book. And so when you do feel that way, you can, you can refer to that section. You can say, wow, look at all I've already done in the same way that it seems like. Uh, if you're interviewing for a job as a programmer, yeah, I seem to I seem to do this more than I would like. But anyways, um, you know, when you first start looking, you're like, oh, I don't know anything. I've been doing the same thing for like six months, so I'm so far behind everyone else. Then you take a look at your resume or your CV, and you're like, wow, wait a second, I've done all this really cool stuff. I did all this stuff that I wouldn't have thought I could do. I'm maybe I'm not so terrible. Ta-da! And then from there, from not so terrible, you actually start feeling good. <laughs> it takes a minute, but you do. And that's key. And it's a ritual, right? The ritual of writing this down, the ritual of going through Beth's guidance, and the ritual of getting yourself a nice, clean place to write, to put your dreams, your thoughts down. Yeah. It is a ritual. And you may think, well, I don't need that. I can just think about it. No, the rituals help. That's why religions are the way they are. And, and birthday parties. What do you mean? Is a, bur- a birthday party is a ritual too. Oh. Cake and presents. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh and my it's God. it's like a new year. So a new year, everybody, oh, not everybody, but a lot of people will write like the things that they want to do in the year ahead. And, and that's the go. only time in the whole year that they do that because after a couple of weeks they've fallen off and you know they're not they're not going to follow through on any of those things so i think it is really important to create a habit or a ritual something that's going to work for you at a time that's going to work for you and not just do it once a year and then never look at it i was going to say you're right about the ritual (laughs) like blowing the candles making a wish putting that intention out there so can you guide us through a little bit Beth, of something you can pull out for someone who's listening who hasn't gotten the copy yet of your book. Can you guide us through a little something, like a little nugget, besides all the nuggets we've already been talking about? So I think the first step would be really, without reading the book, but I would love you to read the book, is to just really think about what are those things, what are, those, what are the important things in your life? Is it having a nice home? Is it having a specific career? Is it about your family life? Is it about volunteering in your community? And making a list of what those things are. 
and then really spending time on each of those areas and trying to think of that in as much detail as possible, but using all of the senses. So how we experience the world every single day is through our senses, how we hear things, how we see things, what something feels like, how we feel inside. And so you need to give yourself that time to take one of those areas and then sketch out in as much detail what that that looks like. So that is what I would say is a bit of a nugget I suppose around how you can approach this. I love it. You know, and honestly, earlier in my career, Franklin Planner, based on Ben Franklin's kind of precepts, it's like that's how you plan your day. And I literally spend the first 15 minutes of every day figuring out what that day is going to look like. And then Mm -hmm. there's a weekly kind of a planning phase. And also there's a monthly planning phase where you plan out these bigger goals and you start. It's basically this this funky just here's here's your calendar. You have it every day. You have a new whatever. And it's all very it was all very paper oriented. This was a minute ago. Um, But what it does is it forces you again to think about what's important and what you're doing and where you're going. And later they brought in um, Covey, the seven habits of effective people, I think. And, you know, every month you would focus on a different one of those precepts as well. Mm-hmm. Sharpen the saw was the one I always remembered, which is just keep your skills sharp. And this was very work and business oriented and very serious, but it starts to bleed over in all the other aspects of your life as well. And you really start really thinking about it as far as like, okay, I realize today is today and I realize this week is this week and I realize this month is this month, but you start thinking further out than that, which again takes us, it takes us closer to what you're talking about as well. You're, you're kind of living in that world of really thinking about what is that entire journey going to look like. But you know, for me, it was best to start with today and yesterday and tomorrow and then widen it and widen it and widen it out to really kind of start thinking through where you're going. Yeah. And so I was a project manager before I left my corporate nine to five. And so I wouldn't have approached anything without having a plan (laughs) and having the objectives and the things that you would want to do. Right. Right. You wouldn't achieve your goals if you didn't. And so it's the same for me with the universe. You know, if you don't have a plan for the universe to follow through on, then how is it going to ever happen if you don't take that seriously as well? And so I had a bit of a, you know, if somebody's listened to this who is more more corporate than spiritual, perhaps, then, you know, I, I've been uh, straddled across both of those, I suppose. And um, for a time, I found it difficult to merge those two. But when you think about it, you can't project manage something without a, a plan. You can't change your life if you don't have a plan as well. So essentially, I, I think those two worlds have to collide and have to come together. Yes, corporate mad on the trail. You know what? <laughs> I, I always talk about how all the corporate jobs I had, I would get fired from. <laughs> You're, why are you so sad? Oh, because I was so very, very spiritual and, you know, I guess emotional, but it wasn't like emotional, like I came into the office, like with a rage. It was just when I saw some stupid stuff, I'd be like, it was written all over my face, I guess. Or, you know, and then I would get the head saying, Fawn doesn't look happy. Fawn, you don't look happy. And they kept repeating that and it, it made me crazy. So then uh, therefore I became more unhappy looking every time I was asked that question. You don't look happy. Are you happy? Are you happy here? You know, like it make, makes me nuts. But having said that, the corporate jobs that I did have that I was highly successful in, mm-hmm. I, I gotta say 
the corporate leaders, the founders were all very spiritual. Mm. Have you guys, I mean, Matt, it feels like you've worked for like humongous companies most of the time. See, well, I would say I worked recently. for small companies most of the no, time, but actually, that's another you're right, story. You're right. I want to say big because when I first met you, it seemed so big. Right. You know, I remember the first time I, I walked into your office, I was like, wow. Yeah, but there's only like 50, 50 of us there, which is decent. But I didn't know that, though. Do you know what I mean? It right. felt big. Right. And it, it was supposed to. I mean, that's how it's all supposed to look because you're kind of half faking it. But I have a couple questions for you. One, one question is, what are some things that you've created in your life? Uh, but the other one is, I don't know. Have you noticed that corporate like CEOs and you know founders, because the CEO is not always the founder of the company, right? Um, have you found them to be quite intuitive? Otherwise, they wouldn't have started what they did. I'm thinking of Horst Reckelbacher, founder of Aveda. Aveda, yeah, I worked with Horst very closely for a, a while and best believe every move he made it was like pure intuition and on the spot like i just remember we were in board meetings and it was late it was like 8 30 at night and people missed picking up their kids from soccer practice and or football practice whatever you call it whatever country you're in <laughs> but like they were just stuck there and these were old people not old people but like <laughs> adults like Dang. grown adults oh my no. god okay see i'm seeing it from the perspective that i was which was a young kid like that ended up in this position mm -hmm. and i would i'd look around and of course i wasn't married i was single i was just a young punk that was in this board meeting with these amazing right. people but i would look across the room and i'd be like these are some grown people that are even so afraid of asking the teacher, i.e. Horst, can I go now? My kids are waiting. <laughs> and and I do remember like someone would be brave enough to like, but sheepishly would say, um, it's 8.30, can we go? Like, can we just... Nice. <laughs> and he'd be like this, no, we're going to figure this out, no. <laughs> and then Horst had this tiny little dog. I don't know what, you know, they're like teeny tiny, you can put them in your purse. Yep, yep, dog. One of those yip yap dogs mm -hmm. with the long, pretty hair with a bow. You know those dogs? <laughs> I, knew, I do. I don't know what they're called. But, yeah. but he didn't have a bow. This one was a male, one of those foo-foo dogs. But best believe, oh, it was the funniest thing. I'll never forget this moment. He, <laughs> The person had just asked, can we please stop this meeting right now? Because it's late and my kids have been waiting for me. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then the dog... <laughs> started like all of a sudden got up and like tick, 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 goes to the door and starts yapping and then all of a sudden horse gets up he's like okay gotta go let's go <laughs> so the bully was bullied by the, the bully <laughs> nice but i'm also saying you know that was intuition that was like he was he had a different calling or a different thing that he was following do you know what i mean in this particular instant it was a dog but like I watched him all day, every day, and everything was purely intuitive and very mm -hmm. spiritual, very just of not not of like a what what the stereotype of a corporate person would be. Well, and on all the heads that worked under the, him 
we're the same way. I'm sorry, what were you gonna say? Honestly, and and I think Beth knows more about this than me, but I think a, a company that's helmed by someone who knows what they're doing and not just following a cookie cutter plan, they always have what's called a vision. Well, what the heck is a vision? A vision is literally trying to bring something forth from nothing, which is, of course, what I do as a programmer, but they do it, I want to say, on a larger scale. So we have a vision that our company will get to this next level. And I think you have to be in touch with something bigger than yourself in order to really bring that forth. Yeah. I I mean, I've worked with thousands of businesses. So my corporate gig was working with businesses to grow. So, And I've worked in many different sectors. I've worked in small organizations to local authorities and the NHS and other firms as well. So I've seen the, a myriad of kind of different ways that this happens. Those companies where there is that intuition, where the founder has taken that time to develop a vision and value and has got their board members on board with that vision as well and is able to create a culture out of that that vision as well are the ones that thrive and can weather any storm and can change direction and create new products and all of that good stuff. I think those organisations that, yeah, don't, you know, they're just winging it or they're copying somebody else. <laughs> you know, you get you, you see a lot of companies that copy exactly the same kind of model as somebody else. And there's not been any real personal thought behind that. It might be successful for a while, but if it's not really coming from that person's true passion, then what's the longevity of that? Because I think eventually everybody's calling. Everybody has a calling. And so how can that ever continue forever if it's not your original thought um so yeah i think having that vision having a company vision and making sure that everything's in alignment i I suppose it's a little bit like when we started our podcasts right we we thought about the lens of our show and what we were willing to talk about and what we weren't willing to talk about and who we wanted to have on the show and who our customers were all of that kind of thing if you haven't done that with your organization then it's just open to go in any direction, I suppose. Well, I, I want to say you become a slave to someone else's vision. I worked at yeah. one company where it was Nestle. Nestle, International Corporation, dropped a million dollars on this company to build stuff for them. Well, guess what we ended up doing? We ended up failing, but we also ended up following their vision into mm-hmm. failure, basically. Hmm. So my other question, can you share some things that you've created, manifested, or something that you want to. I'm asking this question, I really don't have an answer for myself because all my life I've done this. I All my life, I've, the word wish has always been there. Make a wish at every opportunity. I'll <laughs> say, make a wish guys. I'll be in the kitchen and the timer on the oven stove top will say 11-11 and I'll start screaming, make a wish, it's 11-11. <laughs> And we'll take that entire time where it's still 11-11, jumping up and down and just saying, thank you, thank you for this, whatever the wish is. Um, I've always done that. And I even created a business around it. I was the wish baker. Right. And that's how you and I met, I believe, was because of the cake that I baked. Nah. I wanted to, I wanted to act, I actually have two, so. So I'll just, I'll just describe um, so of course we are vegan and back in the day, 
so I came out of the womb looking for Matt. And I knew in my spirit, I had a vision of Matt. I knew exactly what, like I had a brief window of Matt's eyes and like nose area. And I was like, okay, this is the snapshot I have imprinted in my soul. And best believe as soon as I came out, I was looking for you. And as I grew up and I started photography at an early, early age, like I knew I was a photographer when I was like 12, 13, but I didn't really, I, I didn't think I was pursuing it. I mean, I was starting to study it, mm-hmm. but, um, best believe every photo shoot around the world I was on, I was looking for you and I would cry. I would get so upset and and then, you know, I, I'd look everywhere. And for a time, all my friends knew you as Omar. Have we found Omar yet? I think I saw Omar. There was this guy <laughs> oh at the bus stop. I'm telling you, I think that was your true love. So it was code for my true love was Omar. And like we had so many strange coincidences happen. And I had best believe some imposters along the way that I thought were you. So I was like, I'm in love, yay. And boy, did I just dive in (laughs) cluelessly. And thank God, forces unknown to me would pluck me out of that situation because I was engaged two other times. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Thank God I did not go down that path. But what was I saying? I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) What was I saying? So I was looking for you. I was the wish baker, right. Okay, so I was making wishes all the time. And also, there's Jiminy Cricket when I was little, right? Disney, Jiminy Cricket. Oh, when you wish upon a star. Don't sing it, then we have to pay, I think, royalties. (laughs) But yeah, he basically said, all you need to do is make a wish. And best believe all your wishes will come true. They'll come to you. You need to make that physical effort of making that request to whoever to the universe so can i ask a question for then about yes. that time yes did you um so you were looking for matt yeah when when you made that wish did you kind of surrender to it and had stopped looking was it at the point that you'd stopped looking that matt appeared i never stopped looking and as i got older people would tell me stop looking otherwise it's not going to happen and i would get so mad at them and I would say, I would, you know, say, thanks for nothing, because I'm, I'm never going to stop looking, so I'm never going to find him. <laughs> and so, but, but to answer your question, Beth, yeah, I gave up. I remember standing, uh-huh. and this is where the cake comes in. I was, um, I finally gave up, because one of my best friends, Drago, Drago was responsible for this. Matt, every time I say Drago, like, you, you get weird in the face a little bit. <laughs> Drago was my best friend. He was also our neighbor. I think before you moved in. What's happening? Our kids are up. The kids' alarm's going off. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They'll turn off in a minute and go back to sleep. But Okay. So um, <laughs> they have become major night owls since the pandemic. Anyway. I can't control it. Okay. So they wake up late now. Um. What was I saying? Okay, so Drago, one day, 
basically in his tough way because he was a major he is still a major martial artist yeah he's scary too he was scary too (laughs) he he just said what are you doing fawn you telling me you can't go through life as you just you you don't need anybody you know stop wishing all the time just stop it and you're a whole person you don't need to be with this other person and so he said something like that it just shocked the heck out of me and i remember i was getting ready to go to class too like martial arts Mm -hmm. oh my god that's where we met that it was before that was my first class because he was teaching me the aikido way of dressing like the the gi and you know it was a little different than how you know mixed martial arts like how whatever so he was helping me with the belt and he was telling me what the protocol is in that type of school over there and lo and behold i walk in and there's matt in this new school that i was attending but anyway long story short i i did give up beth i totally gave up and i was standing i had met my other best friend um, who i talk about all the time holly and she came to visit me at my studio in santa monica and this is how the wish baker started was I was always baking cakes and I was always making wishes. We're standing in the coffee bean at the coffee bean waiting for the coffee bean had these most the most amazing, delicious coffee drinks. Remember, honey? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. Huge lines to get an ice blended mocha. God. Um, so we were standing in line. It's a long line. It takes forever. So while we're standing there, this is the first time that Holly and I were together, like in Santa Monica and we're standing there and she's looking and she's looking like dreaming, right? Looking out the window. She's like, fun. I'm here to find my true love. And I started, I burst into tears because not tears because that's laughter. what she does no but i was like also laughing like and she's like what i said that's so funny because as soon as i can remember from the time i was born that was my statement i'm here looking for my true love she's like yeah i'm here looking for my true love i'm like that's so funny and i told her that i i gave up i don't think he's on planet earth and i'm i'm good with that and she's like it he is he's not here i'm like no dude not here and so she waited a few more minutes we're still in line waiting for our coffee and then all of us because she was like looking at me she's very spiritual too she's actually she was like by some chance she didn't take the last test but like she was a black belt in aikido from new york and so she's looking at me. She's looking at me, looking at me. She's like, no, he's here. I'm like, girl, he's not here. Don't worry about it. You know what? I'm going to help you find yours. She's like, no, he's here, Fawn. And I'm going to help you find him. I'm like, whatever, girl. Aww. That's nice. But really, forget it. And then our coffees came, right? So we go back to my studio. And that night, my best, my other best friend I grew up with, that I talk about, she came over. And so we're talking about love. And I said, you know what? Because there was that movie that was on some years before called Field of Dreams. Beth, did you ever watch Field of Dreams? I don't think I've seen it. I I don't think baseball movies translate that well to England. (laughs) Okay, so it was about this guy who bought a farm somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. Iowa? Was it Iowa? I was going to say Nebraska or something. Like in the middle of the country. 
in North America, right? And he kept having a whisper come to him in his head, a whisper that said, if you build it, it they will come. And I guess, well, I don't remember. Was he a baseball person? Was he a baseball player? I don't know what the deal was, but there was nobody (laughs) around this town. It was totally isolated. Nobody around. And they were struggling with money. I think they were struggling with keeping this farm or something. And so he kept hearing this whisper come to him. If you build it, they will come. Which brings me back to Daphne. When I was so hopeless, feeling like, I will never find love again. And Daphne would say to me, if that whisper is in your heart, God put it there for a reason. So best believe it's happening. It will happen. It wouldn't be something that was seated inside of you if it were not to exist. Mm -hmm. And so that's what she would say. Anyway, so in this movie, he is being guided to build a baseball field. And so he builds it, and all these ghosts show up of, like, very famous. Am I saying this right? Am I describing the movie right? Relatively. It's been a while since I've seen it, though. I know, me too. I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm making it up as I go. But all these ghosts from baseball history show up, like Babe Ruth, like all the famous, amazing players, right? And they all start playing, and people can actually see them, right? They're ghosts. People who are attuned can see them. So... And, you know, people think he's crazy building this baseball field because, you know, they're about to lose their land. What's he doing making a baseball field? For who? There's nobody around. And all of a sudden, there are lines of cars coming because word of mouth spreads about this field and these players, these ghosts. And they charge just like a little bit. They save the farm. They save the farm. Yay. So he follows that um, that guidance. Right, but it was deeper too because there's a whole story where the real thing he's trying to get back is like his father, who was a baseball player. So, yeah. Oh my God. Let's, let's not miss one of the central points there. Yeah, sorry. Oh, okay, yeah. We should, we should watch that movie again. Anyway. Uh, anyways. I like Fawn's version. <laughs> so um, I forgot what I was saying. Why, why am I saying this story? If you I build forgot. it, he will come. Right. <laughs> Someone take over. I forgot what Um, my point was. I I think you're talking about building the wedding cake. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) that night, (laughs) sorry, that night um, we were talking about love and there was Jennifer, there was Holly, there was me. We were sitting around. I'm like, you know what, guys? Maybe if we build it, they will come. Come on, let's get into the car, which was a big deal because we're in Santa Monica and if you move your car past a certain hour, you'll never find a parking spot again. So, like, for us in the neighborhood, we just didn't drive past a certain time because there's no way you're going to find a parking spot ever again. But I'm like, come on, guys, let's get in the car. We get in the car. We go to the store. I got some tofu with some flour and stuff. We come back, and we start building a wedding cake, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, come on, guys. If we, and then we put all of our efforts into it all our energy and our hopes and dreams into this cake and it got so powerful like it was palpable the 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 resonance the energy in the studio that it freaked jennifer out and she dropped her mitt her oven mitt and she said i'm out i gotta go i'm not ready (laughs) 
She split. <laughs> nice. She said bye. Did you ever find love? <laughs> I, you know what? It's been years since I've spoken to her, and she was still single. Last oh, we we she we spoke. Finished the cake. <laughs> she was like, she knew that it would happen. She's like, I'm not. She had some issues, so she she's like, nope. But Holly and I sat there, and it looked like a wedding cake. It was it was this beautiful buttery yellow, and creamy white it was totally decorated and we sat there and ate the whole thing ourselves except a slice right we saved a slice for our my neighbor arthur who was 83 years old and we gave him a slice and so what i did was so i started to become known as the wish baker because i put notes in the cake basically writing down like your book yeah right i wrote it down and i made it into an envelope and I put the batter over it, and boom, I like I baked it in there. And within three months, I found Matt. Within, I think it was five months, Holly found Michael. They're still married, kids and everything. And so the word got out, so I became the wish baker, and I would make wish cakes for people. And it would happen. It would happen. They would eat it. The note was there. And to this day, we do this. We do this for all occasions. We'll we'll bake a cake, and we have notes all over the kitchen that we've kept over the years of these wishes. So I guess that'll be my wish story. That's mine. What's yours? What have you created? Well, I have two. <clears throat> <laughs> um, back in the days when we actually had record stores. So I was visiting friends, and I lived about an hour away from them, and um, I popped by a record store. Without them, I found, I, found, I found my lovely CD. It was Def Leppard's Greatest Hits with the song Photograph. And I was listening to it because I didn't have them on CD, blah, 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 blah. And I was driving home, and, and it struck me. And I said, wow, I'm going to meet her. That's me, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's you. <laughs> But it was with such surety of purpose. It was such, there was like not a single doubt. And it was such a relief on some level and and so uplifting in another. And I love how the song was Photograph. Well, that's one of the songs on the album. I don't know which song I was listening to when it struck me. You told me when we met, when we, you know, we're talking about stuff like this. You told me that it was the song Photograph. Well, I was living in the entire CD. But anyways... And then number two, um, this would have happened just as um, Fawn and I were getting married. And I was working at UCLA as a contractor, and my contract was coming to an end. I had no idea what I was going to do next. Not a clue. And I'm getting married. It, was not, it wasn't a tremendously expensive wedding, but it wasn't cheap either, and we were paying for it. Um, but I knew. I knew something was going to happen and I didn't have to worry. And I just, I knew again, surety of purpose. And right outside the building we lived in, I ran into an old coworker, Chance, Chancellor Barnett. His name is Chance. His name is Chancellor, but <laughs> he went by Chance. Um, and uh, the upshot of that was literally uh, offered a job. And yeah. in front of the coffee bean. Remember? I thought it was right in front of our building. No, it was in front of the coffee bean. Fair enough. The coffee place where I was talking to uh, Holly. Don't okay. don't argue yeah. with the wife. Fair enough. <laughs> um, 
and yeah, they, they, I was like, yeah, but I'm getting married. We're going on our honeymoon. They're like, Psh, it's fine. We'll pay you during your honeymoon and you'll start when you get back. Boom. Aww. And it just, everything linked up and, and, you know, people looked at me like, but, but you, you've got a toehold at UCLA. You could stay there. And had I, I'd probably still be there, which mm, I don't think would have yeah. made me happy. So I've got two. I love that. I love the the surety aspect of it. That's that's when it happens. That's you. That's when you know that it's gonna it's gonna happen because you've let go right. of that resistance of it. Not that fear has gone. Yes, you've you've risen above it. How so, about you, Beth? Yeah. So, well. I, I've manifested lots of different things, but the one that I'm going to talk about is my first ever experience, yes. which was the Red Bounty Castle. Yes. The Red Bounty Castle, <laughs> yay! <laughs> I was hoping you'd talk about that. Oh, you literally bounced up and down. Yeah, I know, I was about to say. Yeah, I'm on a yoga ball right now. <laughs> so I was four years old, and I was at the seaside with my mum and dad, and We'd be like up and down the like the promenade all day long, and at various points you'd have like fairground attractions, and there was lots of different bouncy castles. But I would ask if I could go on these bouncy castles, and I would go on. But because I was so small, and because the other kids were a lot bigger than me, I would get. I mean, if you can remember what it was like when you were a kid, and there were so many people on those bouncy castles, you would get bashed about. You couldn't find your your footing on the floor. You couldn't. You know. You couldn't. You couldn't actually bounce because you couldn't get into the the swing of doing it those are like death traps those are i was so afraid of those things when the kids were little they're They're brutal they're They're very scary so i was getting bashed about and i think my mom and dad could see my face like i'm i'm not enjoying this so when i got off i remember like putting my shoes back on on the mat and saying to my dad i want to go on a red bounce castle all on my own like and that was the that was the only thing that i was that is what I wanted to do. I wanted to find this red bouncy castle all on my own. And we, we kept looking up and down, but we could never find a bouncy castle that had no other kids on. So we kind of went home and went to bed that night. And I'd not lost this idea in my head. I think my dad probably thought, oh, she's going to stop going on about this red bouncy castle at some point. But I didn't. I kept <laughs> going on about it. And he tucked me up in bed. And the last thing I said to him was that night that I was... I'm going to find a red bounce castle and I'm going to I'm going to bounce on this bounce castle all on my own. And he he said, you know, quite diplomatically, I don't think we're going to find one on your own. And I just remember that when he said that, it, it was almost like that is the most stupid thing Dad, you could ever possibly say, because tomorrow <laughs> I am going to find a red bounce castle. and I'm going to be jumping up and down on that all on my own. And I remember he he left the room. And I remember just laying in bed and squeezing my eyes like so tight, you know, as children when they're wishing or willing something like I could physically feel like my, like the, almost the eyelids are in, inside my, my brain kind of thing because I'm squeezing my eyes so tight. <laughs> and I remember saying over and over in my head, like, I'm going to find a red bounce castle. I'm going to find a red bounce castle. And then mm-hmm. I started visualizing it as well. So I was imagining myself and jumping up and down on this red bounce castle and the feelings, like the feelings and emotions that I would feel when I was able to do this. And I was just so happy and ha- happy in this thought. And then I just fell asleep. Um, and then the next day we were looking for a red bounce castle. We were still, you know, mum and dad still like dragging me about going, oh, I don't think we're going to find one. And then as we were packing up uh, to go home, got in the car, we started driving away. 
and my dad was he's always one for not going you know on the motorway if he can find a quicker route he will still go down country roads and they always end up taking longer <laughs> they're not really shortcuts but <laughs> you know, uh, you get there in the end. And I remember being on this country road and spotting something in the dif- distance and it was red and it was above kind of the, you know, the, the trees and the hedges on this country road. And I, 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 can't, I keep, you know, start to shout out, there's a, there's something, there's a red bouncy castle, the red bouncy castle. And my dad's driving, so he's not looking in that direction, but my mum spots this thing in this field. And as we get closer, it is a red bouncy castle and I'm getting so excited about this red bouncy castle. And it's like at the end of the day, so there's lots of cars that are coming away from this field. It looks like there's been kind of some phaeton throughout the day. So we pull in. So everybody else is leaving, but we're coming into this 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 field. And there's this red bouncy castle. It's a massive red bouncy castle as well. And uh, my dad gets out of the car. I stay in the car and he goes to ask there was like a guy in a fold-up chair sat at the side of this red bounce castle and he goes up to him and asked him, um, could I possibly go on? I know that you're packing up, but could I possibly go on? And he said, yes. And my dad kind of signaled to me and I just got out of the car and ran and jumped on that red bounce castle on my own. And it was the most like amazing feeling ever to experience that. Um, but just knowing with all certainty that it was going to happen, that was the thing. It, there was no doubt in my mind that that thing was not going to happen. I think as children, we can hang on to that more. I think as adults, we put other stuff in the way. You know, logic starts coming in and all these challenges and barriers we keep putting up in it, we, we start to put up in our mind. And so it, it doesn't happen because we kind of surrender the fact that it's not going to happen. But I think when you have got that certainty, well, I, t- I totally believe that when you have got that certainty, when you beyond, when you believe beyond all, all doubt that it's it's there for you, then you will find it. So that's the that's the story of the Red Bounce Castle. Nice. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love you, Beth. I love <laughs> you. And I'm so grateful for your book. And I'm so grateful that Matt has read it twice already. Twice. Twice. Wow. Can I tell you how many like fights we've had? <laughs> we've had so many fights where I'm like, come on, Matt, we got to get a make, make a wish and we got to make our dreams come true. And we get into fights about it. He's like, that's not how I work. That's not how I do things. Right. It isn't. And we, but you, I'm so but hello thank you Beth is all I'm saying thank you thank you um, Beth please tell all of our friends out there your book where we can get it from and also all your other stuff we'll, we'll have a link in our um, show notes by the way so the book is called The Power of Scripting so you can find it at www.powerofscripting.com you can find uh, me at visualize you or bethhewitt.com and i've also got a podcast of the same name visualize you which is all about telling the stories of people who have been through change and have come out the other side to create something that is more in alignment with what they were supposed to be doing all along check those out with that please go to our show notes because the link for Beth will be right there. And of course, hello, she is a major podcaster. Thank you. And also, thank you, Jiminy Cricket, for the whole wish thing. (laughs) And I got to say, I came up with two other things that I want to tell you about. I used to live in the UK and I wanted to live there. I wanted to stay there. I wanted to move there and live there forever. 
and I stayed. I was a, a, a like a student, you know, from the United States that was taking semesters over there studying Shakespeare. And the host family, that was my family in England, when I had to leave, I was so heartbroken. They were like, just here, take our key. I'm like, no, I want my own key. Like my own key to my own house. I don't want to go back <laughs> to California. And they were like, just take our key. And they had an, a skeleton key. It was not a normal key. And I really wanted to take their key, but I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. I want like symbolically my own key. I don't want to go. And so that day I took the train and I went to London and I was walking on this crowded sidewalk and from far away I saw a, a shiny mirror like you know like when light hits a mirror it like hits you in the eye that light mm-hmm. I saw something all I saw was like a light flashing that was something on the sidewalk and there were all these people walking over it and from far away I'm like that's a key that's my key I just knew. I knew it was my key. I'm like, okay, I don't have a flat. I don't have a home here. And I'm being, you know, I have to go back to the United States. But I think that's my key. And I walk up and I'm like, oh, my God, by the time I get up, get to the key, I bet you it's somebody's key and they're going to pick it up. And I walk up and my boots are hitting the key. And I'm looking around and no one's picking up the key. And it's like new york city crowded like you know major crowded sidewalk and i stood there for a few minutes and no one picked it up and i'm still standing there over it i pick it up and to this day i have it on a necklace it's a skeleton key just like the one my host family was trying to give me so there's that there was something else i had another one but i I just wanted to remind you guys that dreams totally come true Mm mm-hmm it is real. It's for real, folks. <laughs> and with that, we will sign off and we will talk to you in a few days. Perhaps you can write to us and tell us what your dreams and desires are and we will hold them for you. And leave a review. <laughs> <laughs> a nice review. But seriously, send us write notes on what your dreams are and we will hold them and one of the things that Daphne taught me years ago and I think it was Carolyn Mace who said when your friend holds your dream for you it will happen so I can I have the strength to carry your dream for you it may be harder for you to carry it yourself because you're hit with all the thoughts and all the reasons why this thing can't work out for you But for me, I'm not hit with that all day, every day. So I will hold your dream for you and can see you living your dream, having your dream. That's what friends are for. And it will come true. All right. We'll talk to you in a few days. Love you, everybody. Talk to you later. Thanks, Beth, for being here. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Bye, everybody. See you later.